In this episode of Orurua, Libby Gray explores the spirituality practices of Komako Aroha Silva, Nongati Pakahi, Nongapuhi, and her unique approach to her Tangapura practice. Heavily influenced by a spirituality based upbringing, Komako explores her experiences with the spirituality practices of other cultures and how this has guided her Tangapura journey. Kimihanga, Wananga hopu reo, hopu kōrero i te ao hapū, o i te ao taungapuro, i te ao hine raukatauri, o hine pūte ue. Whakamau, whakamau, whakamau atu i a i o i te wananga. Ue ue anuku, ue ue arangi kāpute ki te whai au, ki te ao marama, whano, whano tu mai te toki o haumie, uie, taikie. Tēnā rawāti koe... Kai te mārei kura. Kei te teina. Kei te tei hoa pū mau. E mihi ana ki a koe mau i wātea mai i a koe tēnei oranga. <laughs> oranga tēno um, puku ki te mahi. Mm. Um, e mihi ana ki a koe i taipe nei mai ki a whakaniko i ngā taringa, ki a whakatāhua, ki a whakaki e, o tātou hirikapo puku ki o kōrero tuku iho mm. o tira ki o kōrero whakahirahira o nānei uh, i te ao tangapuro. Tēnā koe komako. Tuatahi. Ko ai koe. No hea koe. Kia ora, kia rea te tuakana. Mehi atu kia koe, moto karanga mai, ki te tautoko i nei kōrero tahi, wānanga tahi, ko ai au, ko emimi te maunga, ko ngā tuku matawaroa te waka, ko mutu te awa, ko te huia rawa ko mangaiti oku marae, ko Dorian Dinata toku whaia, ko Nuki Aldridge toku kaumatua, ko Ngarno Renata toku mama, ko Lester Silva toku papa, ko Fitu Silva toku tuakana, ko Muka rawa ko Te Puao oku tuakana, uh, toku tungange, um, ko Komako Aroha toku ingoa, um, ki te tāo toku Mareikura, ki te tāo toku Whatukura, toku Papa, ko Australia, Ireland, England, 
yeah, my dad's from, grew up in Australia, his dad's from England, and then their ancestors are from Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. I did the actuals. I've known you for how long now, Komako? True. <laughs> and I actually didn't know all of that. So, yeah, I or Ito Fano. But, yeah, and thank you again for finding the time in your busy schedule to be with us today and to be with Haumanu mm. and Ororua to share all of the things that you're doing um, and all of the things that you're passionate about are all of the things that I'm passionate about. And today we're talking about Te Ao Taonga Puoro. How did you get into Taonga Puoro? Where did it start for you? I guess it started my first encounters with Puoro weren't so much with the instruments but with um, our atua hine putuhue mm. and growing up mum and dad had a beautiful mata, mata kai yeah they had amazing gardens where they had people come over from the community and they um, their mahi was really about um, you know learning the ways of of gardening and all that pertains to to that mahi which is massive mm. um, but then yeah growing up we had, you know, our paharakike, we had a beautiful ngahere. We grew up looking over Waikato Awa and we had this hothouse, I guess, or like this greenhouse, this real massive greenhouse that was full of these beautiful, massive beings that were, you know, hue, um, gods. And that was, I guess, my first initiation into mm. puro, but it was through the mata. Um, and I didn't know anything about that at the time. It was just like something that my parents did. Dad was is a sitaris and um, they had two kind of purposes in which they grew hue. One was the kaupapa of whenua ki te whenua, uh, which mum was very passionate about. That was her intention. And then dad, in terms of oro, is a super passionate mm. um, sitaris and through that passion wanted to extend that into figuring out how to make sitars and realised, um, you know, by having sitars that the main aspect of it was made out of a hue. And so that was trippy for my mum and dad to kind of connect on that mm. level. Like, you know, obviously hue being such an integral part of our, our tupuna um, and ways of of being. There many different stories around hene hue and the uses of that. Um, but, yeah, it was actually... It was really because Dad just wanted to figure out how to make a sitar. Wow. Um, and, yeah, they, they were really passionate about revitalising the stories of Hene Putuhue, the planting of her, and I guess just the just actually planting her in the mata and having her there. Yeah. And then they would get, go out and share a lot of the kākono with the whānau. And, but at that time, I guess I was like six, I would have been about five or six, was when mum started bringing me, you know, I, was, I guess I was like the Wananga baby mm. and because um, and I'm the youngest and so my brothers got to like hang out with their friends and do what they wanted to do and, you know, my tuakana fitu, she was a bit older so she was off doing her thing. Um, so mum would always take me and I, w- I spent many nights sitting at her feet with whaihine wirangi and they would just cord it all and... And, you know, with fire and her her beautiful hue and her beautiful tonga. And so it started at a really young age in terms of exposure. But again, like I didn't really know 
what they were or that it was a unique thing. Mm. I just thought, oh, yeah, one of the nanny's houses, one of the auntie's places. Oh, it's normal, right? It was yeah, normal in your it just, Yeah, it just seemed really normal. But I, I would say, like, the first auto that I was really curious about was actually the sitar. Mm-hmm. That was, like, my first, like, love. Um, not being a tongapuro as such, but auto, like, dad would play at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning, every morning, every night. And so we just consistently had this frequency through the whare um, and then you know mum's playing all of her kind of Maori waiata through the whare as well so that was kind of the the exposure that I had. That's so cool and for our listeners um, who uh, might not quite know what a sitar is can you share hey whakamarama? So a sitar is like the easiest way to explain it is like a it's the Indian version of a guitar and um, it originates from the Middle East. Its original form was in a subaha, and then over a long period of time, it, it became a sitar. So, yes, yeah, this real beautiful, big string instrument mm. that's, yeah, that's highly regarded in, in India and the Middle East. And um, there's, a, there's a goddess called Sarasvati, and she's the goddess of sound and music. And if you see her, you see her holding a sitar. Oh, so cool. the sitar is like really revered over there. That's like one of their main puro, I guess, for them. I wonder if she knew yeah. Hineroka Tauri. Probably. No, hey. Until you having a jam. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> It'll be pretty cool. Yeah. I like your korero on um, the orokohanga of because it's not through instruments rather than straight to the source. You were yeah. straight from the atua of hine putehue mihiana ki ene korero. Thank you. Mm. Our next question in, is, like, I know that you do so many amazing things with the ao puoro and te ao Māori in general, but if you could specialise, if you could put a finger on one part of um, Tonga Puro, what is it that you specialise in? Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful part. I, um, I guess my, probably my main passion in regards to Puro is the aspect of, the rongo aspect of our Puro. Mm. So the, um, I've just got this real big fascination with learning and understanding and investigating the art of Tongapuro in relationship to the healing properties of Tongapuro. Sure. So that's what I would say. I wouldn't say like I'm a specialist in that. I would say I'm very much a student of that and very much learning learning that. Um, and that will probably, you know, be my whole entire life. But that's definitely that's definitely where the, the fascination is for me. Yeah, and yeah. What, what, what grows from fascination is passion. Yeah, um, and I feel like your upbringing is has been in and around Rongoa. Yes, and yes. so how natural that mm-hmm. um, that ara for you to go. Yeah, and I think about um, all of the things that you've been exposed to, Rongoa, um, Tonga Purohei Rongoa is really up there for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, could you, if you had, you talked about learning Wananga and some of the corridor in and around Puro. Is there any particular Pūrāko or Tikanga? We've heard about Hine Pūtehue and Atua. Um, but is there anything along those lines that you are particularly drawn to? 
Pūrāko tikanga atua? Um, probably, yeah, I would say like Pūrāko is something I'm very much learning. Mum probably exposed us more to like the tikanga as well as the um, atuatanga. I would say that that was probably at the foreground mm. of our upbringing and the Pūrāko wrapped around the different atua stories. But it was more to do with like the everyday element of atuatanga. Um, So, yeah, it felt very natural. It it didn't, it wasn't really like sit down, share a story. Um, It was very much like here's the tikanga around the whare um, or the tikanga around the different spaces or the different wānanga that we we would go into. Um, So I learned that from a very young age. Yeah, just the different energies that mum would kind of guide me into that as I got older, I realised that that was very much a practice of like atuatanga and what that means in terms of it not being separate to oneself. And mm. that, that was real evident quite early on. Yeah. I smile ear to ear because we are consistently in a time of the reclamation of mātauranga Māori and mm. hence why we are uh, recording these podcasts mm. today. Reclamation of mātauranga Māori in the hope that it's normalised mm. in the whare and in the whānau. And you are a product of that. Mm. It's beautiful to hear you living and breathing all Māori because mm. of the amazing mahi that your mum and your papa, mm. um, you know, the things that they did to embed tikanga, ao Māori, reo Māori, all of the mm. things so that you just, it just falls out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, it, it's trippy because, like, I grew up in a spiritual school. Yeah. And that was um, an esoteric school, but it, 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 we also had a, a school alongside that, which was a um, the Māori Spiritual Warrior School. And so, like, growing up and practising, you know, nohopuku and meditation and chanting different prayers, like, I thought that was everyone. I thought everyone did that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you get older, you start to learn that it's unique and it's rare and exactly what you're sharing. We're in this time of reclamation and revitalization um, so that it doesn't become something that's foreign and outside of the home. It was like very much in the home um, and being born like I was born at home. I my It was my mum and of course my mum was there, but uh, <laughs> my mum was there <laughs> and then uh, dad and my nana. And I think my siblings were around. Um, and so it started from there, really, because the practices of, like, you know, the cutting of the cord and the, my nana taking my whenua and planting of my whenua um, and mum being staunch as yes. on rongo and Māori, like, I've been to the doctors once. You know, I've been to the doctors once. Like, every time I've been Māori, it's, it's always... Um, Rongoa Māori first and foremost, like mm. give that a go. And if that doesn't work, well, you kind of have to suffer through it because then it becomes a corridor in terms of Māori, like what's really happening if, you know, if that's not going to help or it, it assists in the healing, of course it does. So that was instilled in me in a very young age and I feel that. I feel like I'm a practice of oro and rongoa and um, not having to go to the doctors and not having to rely on Western medical systems um, and those kinds of institutions. 
wasn't kind of like told to me and like this is negative but wasn't guided towards that because there was just so much whakamana within our own rongoa and within our own practices and um yeah it totally worked for me yeah 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 it's it's amazing i'm loving this corridor i'm loving um that i've known you and your whānau for upwards of 15 16 years yeah. and i and this corridor is not not new to my ears but it's um it's new to this realm going yes there is hope <laughs> for our people to carry on um being the unapologetic selves mm. uh, as a result of the upbringing and the yeah. struggles and the push through uh, that our our know that our mums mm. and our dads and our tupuna mm. invested so much in I want for you to talk a little bit about your kaupapa um, that's at the forefront, Oro Maori, mm. and what that, what how's it, what is it, how did you get it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess um, yeah, it's interesting because talking about like being a product of being brought up in that environment with all of those taonga and um, you know the kitty was full. And that was very much because of the 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 fight, I guess, the resistance mm. that my parents um, moved into, and and were really resilient in their ways of being, thinking about the future, and thinking about their own tamariki, and thinking about their mokupuna. Um, and so, as I got older, and I started to realize, like you know, having caught with friends who were mawiwi, um, and their first choice was to go to Western medicine or go to the doctors. Mm. Um, and having many, many different conversations like that with all, pretty much all of my friends um, and Fano as well. I think that was big for me. A lot of my cousins um, didn't really have much faith in our own mm. our own ways of um, healing oneself. That affected me for ages, like for years. And I, I tried to think, like, what can I do? And for a long time, I practiced telling stories through filmmaking and I made documentaries and I traveled around to different whenua, met different indigenous cultures. And the more that I spent time with indigenous cultures, what I really witnessed was their instruments and how that was really present in their cultural practices. Mm. And then I started to think, wait on, like I know kapaka and I know that there's the guitar and I know that they're are some kind of wind instruments because I had seen it around me, but I had never really taken much notice of it. And so it was actually when I was in the Himalayas in the mountains with the Tibetan people, and I was spending um, some good time with the with the Tibetan monks, and we would wake up every morning at five a.m. and do prayers, and I heard the sound of the pukaya and the and the pumwana, and I was like whoa! I was like <laughs> yo! Like I know that sound, you yeah. know? I know that sound. And that's where I really started to bridge the two worlds of um, what I was used to in terms of spiritual practices and then the sound frequency that the Tibetan people, I guess, like really exposed me to and really brought to the forefront. And so when I came back to Aotearoa, through those different journeys, I, yes, very slowly started to witness and, and become present with actually like what are our pūr or what are our instruments and I need to know more and understand mm. more. And that that was through the time, um, you know, of um, 
when you and Fetu and Horomona um, with Fire Rangiria at Waikato University. And I would say that was like the first time that I was like really exposed to Tongan Puro mm. and the sounds of Puro. And that was when I was like 15. Um, so now I'm 30. And so, like I said, it's been like this real slow journey um, because that's what felt like needed to happen. Yeah. I felt like Puro um, wasn't necessarily a practice where you could kind of just like go into it and take from it and then play these beautiful instruments. Um, well, one, they're, you know, they're difficult to play, like some of them can be difficult to play. So the, the, the desire was always there, but I knew that it had to be a slow journey. And I guess how it led me to this kaupapa called Oromori really came from feeling like a product of sound healing and of someone who, you know, like, yeah, I definitely get mawiwi. I definitely have, um, I've had massive mental health struggles, like everyone, right? Like mm. everyone has struggles in life. That's natural. But because of the taonga that were available to me and, and the kite and the whānau around me, um, you know, like yourself and like other brothers and sisters around me, um, I was able to, I guess, gather different Matauranga and different akunga along the way and that's that's really where Oromori came from wow. was really from that desire of um, creating more opportunities and pathways and accessibility for our whānau oh, no. first and foremost 100% um, but yeah it's it, it really is this fascination of healing the body and healing the mind and, and healing the heart and, and the, our energy centres um, that's really that's really what I'm passionate about because that's that's what I was brought up around. Yeah. So, and I know that it works. Mm. But, you know, I've had my experiences in terms of healing in that way and that's awesome, but it, it's not enough, you know. And, and over the years, like having corridor with people, like I would passionately talk about this, but then I was, but then there was nothing that I was really doing around mm. it. Um, so to kind of create... I guess, a kaupapa um, or an organisation where I could bring people in and have more of, you know, kōrero and wānanga, um, I was like, why not? You know, we, we, we don't have enough of this and I've got all this passion, so why not yeah. do something? Because I'm very lucky to have people around me in which are keen to share in kōrero, um, you know, their mātauranga. And I think just by having that accessibility to, for myself, I really wanted to create something that created that for our whānau. Yeah, cool. Then, so what are you going to do with all the kōrero, the mātauranga, yeah. <laughs> the tonga tūiho? Yeah, yeah. So I guess what we're first, we're starting with honouring our practitioners. That's really important to me. Um, I really want to honour the kōrero of our fire and really elevate that mm -hmm. for good reason, you know, like we have a lot of understanding of Atuatane and and that's beautiful and having brought up with actually not knowing much about Atuatane but more about Atuawahine, um, I started to also realise how rare that was. So bringing mm. our fire and the kōrero of our mereikura to the forefront, honouring our practitioners who have been doing this mahi um, you know, kind of lone wolves out there and now coming together, there's different beautiful ropu like Haumanu Collective, ropu and Pōneke and Te Waipaunamu. And what, I guess what we're focusing on right now is creating resources mm. so they're accessible for people to become practitioners, um, 
become storytellers, become um, educators. Yeah. And I just see this beautiful weaving of, you know, with our rongo practitioners, with our kaimiri midi practitioners, with any kind of um, people who are interested in helping our people, puro should just be right next to it and <laughs> in relationship with it. So that's, I guess that's really the pathway for Automori is um, just continuing to support bridging those gaps. Yeah, and the retelling of our stories from a wahine mm. point of view. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful that you are able to bring your passions to reality. Mm. And so how long is your kaupapa? Well, this first phase, uh, by the time we released something, it would have been 12 months, so oh, yeah. we'll go full cycle. Um, but... I mean, I don't, I don't see us stopping. Yeah, I think it would be decades. Yeah, I hope that like Tuia and Manaya, like my Iramutu, like I hope that it's a foundation and a kopapa that they just seamlessly move into. Yes. Yeah, or or not, you know, if they're not interested, that's all good. But um, any of our mokupuna, like I really want to create something that they can just come into and they don't have to create anything. It's already there. It's already thriving. Yeah. Um, like yeah. our kuka across in the Tairawhiti says, be a good kaumatua. Be a good tupuna. Yes. What are we going to do for our urifakatupu, our mokopuna? And yeah. what an amazing resource that you're creating right here yeah. and right now for our yeah. generations to come. Yeah. Oh, exciting. Tino exciting. <laughs> what are your aspirations for our people, for Taonga Puoro, and how can this be strengthened by our people, by, by our hapori? You've kind of answered it, but are there anything mm. outside of this mahi? Mm, yeah, I... I mean, I have like, I feel like I'm such an idealist. So, like, my aspirations are like so massive. Like, you know, I'd love it if every whanau had a puro kite. Yeah. Like, that would be awesome, you know? Yes. <laughs> like, that's, it sounds simple, but it's not, right? Like, um, but I want it to be. I want, like, that's one of them. I would love it if, like, there's so many of my Māori mates who I quartered or two and they have no idea that they have no idea that we have oh. puro. They know. They maybe heard a conch or something like that. So that that drives me crazy. Like that's like I'm like, how do you not? Um, but of course I know. I know why. We know why. Um, so I would love you know within the next ten years, like to every other every other Maori or every other being who's in this space, you have a corridor and it's not this foreign thing. It's not this thing that's far away. It's not this thing that's not accessible. It's in the conversation. It's in the corridor of our culture. Um, just as much as kapaka, yeah, like that's that's a really big passion of mine. We we know about um, you know kapaka and and heaps of people do like around the world. That's, haka, they know about haka. Yeah, um, that's very exposed and that's very accessible to watch on TV or to know someone who's in kapaka. But it's really rare to come across someone who plays tonga or, or who has puro. So that that's definitely an aspiration. I guess another aspiration in terms of Modi through our research. So some of the research that we're doing is um, at the moment we've just, I wouldn't say discovered because our tupuna and our people already know, mm-hmm. you know, the healing Jailna. properties of puro and the power of sound frequency. It's so clearly throughout our whole entire culture mm-hmm. and weaves its way through at the forefront and in the background of, you know, tihei mauriora being the first breath of life that we take when we come out of the womb. And so... 
what we're researching at the moment is the different hurts in which the different portals sit within. And because of a lot of research that's already been done from other brothers and sisters that I've been studying overseas and here as well, but it's not really at the forefront yet mm-hmm. in terms of the practices of Tonga Puro. Um, what I'm really interested in is not only the hurts of our Puro, but that in relationship to how they work with the different energy centres. So another phase of our Kopapa is doing brainwave mapping. Yeah. And I really want to work with um, all different generations of our people, all different types of Mawiwitanga, whether it's, you know, terminal illness, right up until like just having a, you know, a little bit of a flu or a headache. Um, mental health obviously is massive for our people for many different reasons. So from my opinion and from my experience and my upbringing, sound is a not only it's a powerful way in which it works with the body and the mind and the soul and the spirit, but it's it transcends understanding. Mm. It, you don't need to have your deal. You don't need to have someone touch your tinana um, if you have trauma in your body from experiences in life. So that's really where I want to take auto modi is in that in that pathway of um, sound frequency healing because I just love the fact that it does transcend culture and it transcends time. It transcends so much of our mental understanding of what we're capable of doing um, in terms of healing ourselves. But with the assistance of our different puro, that for me is like the key because we know that our tupuna, they were masses and they knew exactly what they were doing and they were able to do things today that we would be like, well, like that's unbelievable, but mm. I don't think it's unbelievable. I think it's very real. So I just really want to contribute to that pathway. Mm. And it's about the remembering. Yeah. yeah we are descendants of Atua mm. and um, we have this intimate connection with Te Wahingaro, Te Awairua, um, Te Kauwairunga, uh, yeah. which is where this comes from mm. right and so um, by mapping out all of mm. the real all of the oro um, we are able to pinpoint this one can be useful this one why this mm. one. we already know this yeah we don't need validation but no, how no, cool would it not. be to have specifics this instrument played this way using this reel mm. with this intention mm. opens this chakra, yeah. spins this energy. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. oh man, can I be <laughs> in your team? Eh? No. <laughs> yeah, it's like a funny like um, fascination because it feels like kind of not so like, it feels a little bit like I don't really often sit with Māori and talk in this way, you know, like we talk about our pūrāko or like energies and things like that. But like, I am really passionate around around neuroscience and um, how the mind and the synapses of the brain and how they communicate to the body. Because for me, that language is, it it is real pākehā, but uh, it's just in, in the reo of Pākehā, it's Anna. very Māori, Anna. you know, and yeah. throughout all of our karakia, it's the same. Like, yeah, I get you. Yeah, 100%. it's the same whakapapa. <laughs> it's really ours. It's our knowledge. Yeah, just just said in a different way, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And I think it's interesting to call it all about our pools of mātauranga, our puna of mātauranga um, and different reo so that mm. it becomes accessible to other rangatahi and other people 
our people who might not have the deal and might not be interested in kapaka and they might be really geeking out on this kind of thing. And so it's just really creating a space for people who might really want to go in that pathway. And maybe, um, you know, maybe they're not the makers of the pool or maybe they might not even be the players of the pool or, but there's... The growers of the pool. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Something jumped into my head when you talked about the brainwave mapping. Mm. I, um, you know, my son, mm. um, he had, he's had three open heart surgeries and every single surgery, uh, pre and post, we've mm. used Tonga Puro yeah. Um One little quarter I want to share with you is that in our, his third open heart surgery, um, he was still intubated, so still had the breathing machines on and he had mm. the little sticker across his head to measure his brain waves. Whoa. I was playing the, the kuko across his forehead, mm. um, you know, just to keep him noa, keep him toe, um, and to bring him back to this present. Mm. Uh, and when I played the kuko, I turned around and I looked on the brainwave machine and it was... Uh, the line was moving to mm. the reel of the kuko, mm. and like I said before, you don't. Uh, we don't need validation that, it, or you know, uh, no, um, an answer or anyone outside saying, yeah, yeah, this works because because no. we already know because our tupuna exactly. and our atua tell us and yeah. have shown shown us this. Mm. But it was just really cool to see on that machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so cool. And I wondered yeah. that maybe, um, you know, you talk about you're working with the different māwiwi, et cetera, mm. that this might be somewhere mm. in the hōhipena that yes, you definitely. work with, not, um, with our whānau. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. I would love to. Yeah, that cool. would be awesome because for me it's not about them coming to us, it's about us going to them. Yes. And if they are in, you know, in hospital or at home, Wherever, really, and mm. that's the cool thing about sound recording and, um, you know, putting together different um, puro and different auto sounds uh, with different intentions because then don't even have to be there because, mm. you know, technology, we've got technology and, and that, that totally, play. yeah, just press play, <laughs> like go to bed, whatever, press play, do what you need to do, you know, whatever, whatever. Whatever like, works for you. Yeah, whatever works for you. Um, yeah. It's different for everyone, eh? Just before our, our corridor, you talked about, and I want I want you to elaborate on our um, takatapui, our irafiti, our whānau in this hapuri, mm. and taonga puro. Is there an mm. aspiration for our whānau yeah. um, that you wanted to share? Yeah, so I guess if people don't know, like takatapui tanga or iratangata, I guess are the terminologies that we use around the the shape shifting energy or the fluidity of gender and sexuality, um, and growing up like that was never a thing. That was never a thing. Like my parents weren't like you're a girl, or you know you don't do boy things. Mm. It was never like that. Like definitely were like oh you're such a tomboy, um, that kind of thing. And that was encouraged. That was cool. Mm. And with sexuality, it was the same thing. It was never. It was never an issue. And so getting older and and hearing different stories um, from different friends, mainly hearing their struggles within that space. Um, And especially with my own, like with our own whānau, that's where it really like started to affect me. And Mm. I was like, wow, like this is, I didn't know this was an issue. You know, again, it was, it was like, um, I guess it was naivety or just like an innocence um, because there was so much protection that my whānau put around me. 
Um, and I understand now why, because they were like, you're out the gate. Like, <laughs> you're out the gate. So like, um, we're out the gate. Yeah, so we're going to keep it in the gate. <laughs> yeah. We're going to keep it in the gate, keep it in the park. I don't know how you're going to be received out there and through Wananga with our puro and starting to learn the different puraka, you know, and the different atua who are our guardians of Tonga Puro and really feeling into the energies and the qualities I could really feel that neutrality, that mm. real neutral space. And that's where I felt safety. I was like, cool, I can be all of me in this space. Because yeah. when you do practices like kapaka, there's very clear roles, you know, wahine, tane roles. And I, and I actually love that. I think that's beautiful. But I can also see, you know, more kind of um, elements that could be, you know, um, expanded on within that space that that invite for our whānau, our tukatāpui, our iritangata whānau, to have space to be who they are and to offer their rongoa and their kōrero in a way that's real safe, right? Yeah. And so I feel like pūro is really that space. I feel that tonga pūro can offer that for, for our whānau. Um, and it's just real mean to go to different kopapa and to see, like, you know, on Insta and um, different social media platforms, our tukatapo whānau, playing our pūro and hanging out together and connecting through culture yeah. as opposed to um, struggle. And that's what I really am trauma. starting to love. Yeah, yeah, that it's not like a trauma bonding, it's mm. it's a rongoa bonding. Um, and that's real empowering, eh? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Accessibility. It's mm. all about access, eh? And it's all about sharing the aroha. Yeah. It's the whakarapopoto of our beautiful kōrero that we've had today. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, sharing the love. Mm. Um, because kamate. Because when we understand, mm. uh, when we are sharing our mātauranga, we are kakiki rawate te kete, mm, yeah? Mm. And when we start overflowing our kete, we're just sharing more love. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't know how else to say that. No. <laughs> Any tips, any kōrero, whakakapi that you might have for someone who is looking at getting into mm. te aupūro, aotanga pūro? Yeah, um, it doesn't have to be like this big like tapu wānanga hairinga. It can be like, you know, I like to have a few drinks, like you've got the beer bottle there and... You oh, can, all the time. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so, like, there's so many different ways. Like, I love going for a hikwe, um, you know, kititaho te moana or tangaro or hine moana or in the ngahere. And, like, everything is oro. Everything has a, has a, has a puro. And so that's one kind of way, I guess, if you want to um, explore, like, a personal journey um, for playing and just kind of listening and tuning in. And um, through that journey, I feel like it really does start to open up um, deeper listening with being like, whoa, I just like, you know, when you're playing something, especially in the ngahere and then, or, or even by the moana and like, there's a response yeah. and that's when it starts to get super exciting. Yes. Um, yeah. And you're like, no, like, did you, um, like I was in Did I just communicate with hine moana just now? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you can feel it and you can hear it the more you kind of just explore and experiment. Like yesterday I was in Te Arapataka and Te Waipaunamu just up the hills of Akaroa and 
I was playing my putorino and I was playing through the fatukura voice and this kiriru was just like and I was like whoa and so I like did it again and then there was just like and I was like whoa and I just I could feel it I was like oh that's like definitely a response you know to the sound um and that was really fun so yeah I guess just exploring experimenting but I feel like with the practices and the art of tonga portal like the cool thing about it is you can, you know, you can make puro uh, if you're interested in raranga. Like there's so many aspects of raranga that are needed. Like weavers are so needed for making puro. Carvers are needed. Um, harvesting of, you know, feathers and bones and shells and kohatu and wood. Like, you know, you just start harvesting you f- and that is puro. Mm. You know, that is your tonga. Um, like my, my kite puro uh, is is not like anything grand, you know, and they're not fully carved up, incredible taonga, but to me they are, you know, yes. to me they're very special because I can look at something very simple that I've spent time with and I can say, oh, I got that, um, you know, I found that feather when I was like going on a hikoi and, th- and then I think about the hikoi I was on and I go, wow, that was actually a really special Wānanga, and then now it's attached to this pool or that's the really cool thing about it is like you can make it your own you can make it unique um, and it can just be for yourself and your whānau and your community um, because it definitely has such an amazing way of um, kind of reverberating out once you kind of go into it and it really is just making that first step it really is just being like putting it into social media or putting it into Google or whatever, um, listening to some hidden tracks, listening to some amazing, you know, all of the amazing portal practitioners that we have available to us today and just feeling into it and then kind of finding your own pathway within that. And some people might just be interested in making, playing, telling of the stories. Like you don't have to do everything. Yeah, You can really focus on something very specific and that's very powerful. But I think Puro is really about making it your own unique practice first mm. and foremost and really sitting with that for yourself and what that means for yourself, whether it's because you want to connect with your culture, because you really uh, want to explore maybe, you know, trying out Aurongoa Māori yeah. and um, maybe the Western medical system hasn't worked for you or maybe it's about bridging those two worlds, you know, um, because you have a passion and a belief within both worlds and you can bridge those worlds together. So, yeah, that that that's the only kind of thing I would say really, like as a starting point. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, one of our, our whānau, Milne from the far north, they talk about, you know, in our reclamation revitalization, mahi without being a Māori, we always tend to shoot for the stars and like this And so your kōrero supports my whakaro of, hang mm. on, what's right here right now? Mm. Oh, I really like Tangapuro. Okay, let's go cool. out into the taiao. Yeah. Let's listen to the birds, let's listen totally. to the different winds and yeah. the different um, mm. out of the moana. Oh, I like hearing it, so I want to learn how to play. Or just listen, like it's it's simple. And your kōrero, yeah. your answer, your whakautu, i te pōnei, te atanei, te rangi nei, is mm. just get out there. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. it's ours. It's ours. Like it, you know, um, it is our birthright to to explore these practices of tonga puro. Um, it's not 
it doesn't have to be like you have to know the right person or that you have to be in the right wānanga. It really is a it is quite a personal thing, I feel. Kilna. Yeah. Kilna. Yeah. I see you have a beautiful pūro here. Would you like to um yeah, have a jam and me hiana kia koi. Sis mo I know uh what is your puro? This one, this is a um, punga ihu. Got gifted this one, and it's uh, wrapped in beautiful muka, and it's got a some kind of um, yeah, yeah, and some power shell on the top. <laughs> 